Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to Safety Talk. I am your host and personal safety expert Pete Canavan. We've got another great guest for you guys today that we'll be talking about yet another perspective on personal safety and we'll be providing you with some really great tips. So our guest is the president of the Electrical Safety Foundation International, ESFI. ESFI is the premier nonprofit organization that is dedicated exclusively to promoting electrical safety both at home and at the workplace. They've been around since 1994 and have led the way in promoting electrical safety across North America. Uh, They've become highly regarded by industry, by the media, and also by consumer safety partners. They also provide unique awareness and educational resources that are designed to meet the diverse needs of at-risk groups uh, because you know each year too many lives are disrupted by electrical fires and too many families unfortunately mourn the loss of a loved one who is fatally injured by uh, electricity while they're on the job. You know, electricity can kill if we're, if we're not careful. So, uh, in fact, when I was researching information for my college safety book uh, on chapter 10 on dorm room safety and writing the part about electrical, I discovered that more college students die from fires each year than anything else. And many of these are electrical in nature. Now, this gentleman was appointed president of ESFI in 2005. Uh, in the last 14 years, he's developed aggressive marketing and awareness campaigns to advance electrical safety. Uh, this has helped to establish ESFI as the primary source for unbiased electrical safety information that reduces the instances of fires, injuries, and deaths. He's currently serving on the National Fire Protection Association's Educational Messages Advisory Council, that's a mouthful, <laughs> and the uh, UL Labs Underwriter Laboratories Consumer Advisory Council. So after that long introduction, it's my pleasure to welcome Brent Brenner, president of the Electrical Safety Foundation International. Welcome to Safety Talk, Brent. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Sure. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. We're, uh, we're excited to have you join us because, you know, obviously improving safety and security is what we are all about here at Safety Talk. And uh, this is a topic we have not specifically addressed on the show. And uh, I'm always uh, psyched when we do that because sometimes we have, you know, we have guests on that uh, are covering topics that are similar or the same as what we've had in the past. So we're always looking for new ways to educate people on how they can stay safe. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I was reading about uh, some of the information you guys provide is even uh, some tips about, you know, purchasing electronic goods, which uh, should come in hand here as as the holidays are approaching, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, it's probably one of our busier times of year, just folks realizing how you know dependent we are on energy. It's like you know searching around to charge your phone at the airport. It's, that's usually the thing I draw back to and, and folks can really resonate it really resonates with folks in the fact that you know we're just so dependent upon uh, electricity in our, in our in our daily lives. Um, and almost everything that we do, it's, it's, you know, I, I have friends of mine that say, what do you, what do you do for work? And I basically say, well, when the power goes off, that's, that's kind of what I do. It's, it gives you a, a really good idea of how many things in our life are, are electricity dependent and it continues to grow and technology continues to progress towards, you know, me- needing more and more energy. It might be more efficient, but energy, energy is still vital to, you know, how, how our daily lives work and how productive we can be. 
So it, it, it affects everything and people just kind of take it for granted. Now, that's a great thing when it comes to, you know, uh, you know, a lot of folks on our channel do a great job of doing things behind the scenes, um, you know, designing codes and standards that keep us safe, um, creating technology uh, that you don't even have to think about. So things like the ground fault circuit interrupters that have been in your bathrooms since, you know, the uh, 60s, uh, it, you know, those, those have drastically decreased deaths when it comes to in-home uh, electrical issues. And so a lot of the stuff we do is behind the scenes, um, but you quickly quickly can kind of realize how important it is to our daily lives, especially as technology, you know, uh, advances and requires more uh, battery power. Yeah, and it is amazing that, you know, we, we do take it for granted, yet, you know, the electricity as we know it, you know, hasn't existed for all that long, you know, it wasn't all that long that, you know, if you wanted light, it was lighting a candle. It wasn't, you know, going over and flipping a switch. And we have become very dependent on it in every industry. You know, the technology between, you know, being so dependent on electricity as well as technology, you know, the two of these things go hand in hand because obviously you can't have IT and the whole infrastructure of technology without the electricity that powers it. And when there is a problem, uh, it, it causes chaos in a very short period of time. I mean, for example, just a couple of days here where I live here in Pennsylvania, uh, a car hit an electrical pole, was maybe three or four miles away from me. Well, I guess whatever pole this individual hit with their car took out electricity for a large part of the town nearby. It caused my power here miles away to go out for a little bit. It caused problems in other communities well up the road. So, and when that happens, it's a trickle down effect because now you have issues with the computers that were collect connected to electricity that were actually in the middle of, a pro middle of a process when the electricity went down. And even though some of these systems might be on, you know, UPSs and, you know, battery backups on uninterruptible power sources, they can still drain when the, the power's out for too long. And that's exactly what happened. So, uh, later that day and into the next day, which was yesterday, I had customers calling me because I'm an IT consultant. I have a lot of clients saying, hey, I got a problem with my computer. It's not coming back on. It's got a blue screen. It's not starting back up. So I was running around like a madman yesterday putting out, <laughs> no pun intended, fires <laughs> with my clients because uh, some of them had issues whereby if the power, you know, power was out for like 45 minutes, well, it's great that their server's on a UPS that can last for 15 minutes, but if they're not in the office to safely shut it down and nobody knows about it, it's going to drain out and the thing's going to still abnormally turn off and you could have problems, you know, and now you got to go back and rely on your backups if data is corrupted. And so it's a total trickle down effect, not just in the IT industry, but in every industry, right? I mean, financial and education, everything is affected. Absolutely. And this is, you know, a lot of folks don't realize, you know, how dependent we are on electricity. And so when we start, when you start hearing, you know, maybe politicians or things that you kind of roll your eye with eyes at, and maybe you don't think it's going to affect you. But you know, we're talking we're talking about an electrical grid, or we're talking about the infrastructure that's aging um, pretty pretty drastically. You know, a lot of the things that are going on in politics are are going to trickle down to the energy that we receive, and you know that that is only exacerbated. And you can see the problems that pop up when disasters happen, whether it's you know a winter storm that might be coming around the corner. Uh, you know, floods and those type of things, or even things like terrorism, you just never know. 
And when things happen like that, it really identifies or it, it really wakes people up. Unfortunately, they don't kind of keep their finger on this, but they don't realize that, yeah, eventually things will come back online and life gets back to quote unquote normal. Um, but you've got to be a little more prepared. So imagine if you're a business, um, we try to tell people the best, you know, the, you don't need medicine after you're, after you're sick. You want to try to be proactive with, the, with your, your planning. And so it's about um, energy, back, or energy storage and backup. Um, it's about having a plan and how you get your, your workers back into work to be able to work for you and get your, your factory moving again. So it's, there's a lot of things that people just don't realize that they can adversely affect them, just in their personal life, but also their professional life. And so uh, we always tell people it's time to start thinking before something happens, but disasters you know, can happen at any time. And it could be something as simple as, like you were saying, somebody hitting a, a light pole. Um, who knows when that's going to happen? Um, and so it's just one of those things that you just got to realize how dependent we are on energy and what kind of backup systems you have in place, especially if they're, they're vital to your business and or your, your, you know, your person. So um, it's just something to think about. So a lot of this stuff, you know, in a weird way, we're all kind of part of the bigger ecosystem. Um, and so I, I would just say that you got to think bigger picture sometimes and realize how, how this stuff might affect you at a local level, not just the national level. So I think people are starting to, you know, have those conversations now. Um, but again, it kind of comes down to the person realizing what their needs are and what's most important to them. So when it comes to, you know, disasters that happen and the need for portable generators, and we've seen a lot of things that have been positive for portable generators, but when people when people have power and they're applying it the wrong way, it can kill linemen if, if uh, the things are plugged in the incorrect way and causing backfeed and not having things permanently installed. We see a lot of um, carbon monoxide deaths because people just don't know how to use it. They just turn it on um, and just think everything is fine. Um, and simple things like, you know, it's hot in the house, so somebody opens a window and that creates a way for carbon monoxide to get into a house. And so it's, there's a lot of things that come from um, our needs for energy, and it, you just need to think a little bit bigger picture about things. And I don't mean to get on a diatribe, but you, you really kind of see how it affects and it trickles down to every part of our lives. Of course, and it's something that when you take it for granted, we don't even think about it when it's working. But when it's not working, all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, I can't access money out of an ATM. Oh, wait a minute, I can't go to the gas station and get gas because the pumps rely on electricity to pull the gas out of the ground. Oh, I can't, you know, I can't make coffee in the morning if I don't have electricity, right? I mean, from, from the most basic way that we view and use electricity in our daily lives to the most complex way of using it, whether it's in the most, you know, high-end technologies out there, um, we've got to really be aware of how that electricity and how we can protect ourselves from problems related to it. Now, you mentioned something that I thought uh, Brent was real interesting and uh, I wanted to talk about for a minute, and that's the aging infrastructure of our entire power grid. You know, it's, and, I, and I'm sure you're someone that uh, is, is well aware of this, that there are only about you know, a couple of handfuls, maybe 16 or so massive power stations around the country that all the electricity in the United States and I guess is North America as well goes through, that if there were ever a major problem with even just one of those, 
It could impact, you know, potentially millions and millions of people. And these are not things that you can just go buy a new one off the shelf. They're special ordered. They're, they come from out of the country. It takes, you know, six months to a year to get one of them. And so if we have some sort of problem where these things start to fail or there is a coordinated terror attack on those substations around the country, I mean, we could all be in for a big wake-up call and a big problem. Yep, absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things where I, I think people think, oh, it'll never happen. But when you, you know, just our, our first five minutes or 10 minutes of this, this discussion, you can see how the trickle down really would affect you as an individual. And I can tell you that as, as efficient as our, our economy is and as efficient as, as we are, believe it or not, um, things will dry up really, really quickly if we don't keep the, the, the wheel greased and keep things moving. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about a storm when it comes up. The new storm, I'm outside of Washington, D.C., and it, it's always funny. The first things to go are the bread, the milk, and the eggs. Um, and that disappears <laughs> yep. off the shelf within, within, you know, a day and a half if you're lucky. Um, and so imagine if you were, you didn't have electricity for a couple of days, what it, what it would look like and the chaos that would ensue. And so we're, we're a just in time, um, world. And a lot of those things, if you, if you, if the system gets, you know, bogged down in any which way, shape or form, it causes problems down the, down the food chain, if you will. So it's one of those things that I, I think it's just a, a realization that, you know, we need to think bigger picture. And I think, you know, the one good thing about politics is the fact that they kind of see it from a 30,000 foot view and they really realize that there are some things that we got to think bigger picture about. Um, and I think that the, you know, government agencies are, are really on top of this stuff. Uh, but the problem is there's a lot of things that need to happen and we need a lot of blue collar folks to, to go out and string lines and put up power poles and making sure that things are working correctly. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. To your point, it's not an easy fix. It's not a quick fix. And this is why infrastructure, I think, is, is so vitally important. And we're not just talking about infrastructure like building roads. It's really about making sure that we're, we're not vulnerable in other ways uh, that we didn't even think about. And the electrical infrastructure is so old and it is aging and is very susceptible to failure. And the amount of money and time and effort that it will take to overhaul it is doable. But every day, every week, every year that goes by, it gets more and more difficult and becomes more and more of an issue. So until I think legislation comes down and a commitment is made by the federal government to overhaul the electrical infrastructure, we're still going to be vulnerable from cascading events. We're still going to be vulnerable from terror attacks. We're still going to be vulnerable from things like EMP-related incidents, which can happen from a variety of things. I mean, that's, that's the biggest threat uh, that I feel from a foreign nation that wanted to bring us to our knees. They wouldn't do it directly because they, you know, if they were engaged in a long, drawn-out, protracted you know, war with the United States, it's not going to work. But if they took out our electricity, we'll destroy ourselves in a matter of time. So how about uh, yep. the, the Internet of Things? And we're going we're gonna to get into some of the specifics with the home electrical and things like that. Uh, but just as we're talking, it's, it's making me golf on a few things here that are, that are causing uh, getting the wheels spinning here. The Internet of Things is something that we're beginning to talk and hear a lot about as people are beginning to use this technology in more and more ways. Uh, you know, with holidays coming up, a lot of people are probably maybe buying gifts like these ring doorbells and these the simplest safe items that are connecting our homes to electricity and to the Internet in ways that we 
never had before. And it, it's, most people don't know this, I'm sure you do, that you can actually hack into devices that are connected simply by hacking into their electric, electronic signature, right? Like coming right in through their, the electricity that powers these devices. Yeah, we, we is definitely an evolving, um, you know, interest for a lot of folks. One of the things that we're going to be, one of our big proactive months that we have is May is Electrical Safety Month, and so you'll see things coming from your um, folks in the fire department that we have a relationship with, uh, folks that we have in utilities that provide electricity. Uh, one of the things we're going to be doing this year is really focusing on, on all, right, well, all that stuff sounds great, but how does it actually relate back to me, the consumer, and what can I kind of do? Um, even relating back to some of the, the preparedness that you have. And so <clears throat> we're going to be looking at things from a, obviously a safety point of view, but how that kind of trickles down through security and efficiency and all that kind of stuff. And so when you start to think about, you know, your electrical system in your home, let's kind of put that in perspective. So you have homes on average were built in, in the 70s. And so you have an electrical code at that time where you were lucky to have maybe two outlets in a room. Um, a lot of people are kind of misusing electricity in their own homes. And how does that kind of relate to kind of where we are now? Well, I think there's an opportunity for us to kind of, if we respect electricity and understand some of the dangers that are associated with it, what are we really doing to kind of update our homes that were built in the 70s to kind of meet today's needs? Um, and a lot of that stuff comes comes to the fact that you don't have enough plugs to plug all these things in. Um, <clears throat> you're using extension cords or power strips, and, and they're not necessarily solving um, uh, your problem and they're also causing a stress on your your electrical system in your home and what that does is when that electrical system is over being overused or you're using things as it was not intended for that's when we see a lot of the home fires pop up and, and a great example and i don't want to get on a tangent but it's really relative at this time of year no because i wanted to talk about the home stuff so this is perfect yeah so we we see a lot of christmas tree fires um, right around this time of year, obviously, because you're putting electrical and things that heat up on a Christmas tree. And if that tree is a natural tree and it's drying out, um, we see the majority of our, our tree fires is basically after Christmas into New Year's. So basically those, those seven or eight days that we have are the most deadly when it comes to having a real tree in your home. And it just kind of exacerbates the problem. You're putting kindling around a, a heat source and that's <laughs> right, when things kind of spark. And, storm. You know, when Christmas is over, they stop watering the tree. I get it, but that's when things are most dangerous. And so, you know, when we're, when we're talking about the security and the safety and the efficiency, it kind of goes hand in hand. So in my house, and I was probably a little bit ahead of the curve because I had access to things before they kind of hit the market. But, you know, you're talking about your Amazon Alexa, your Google, Google Home, Smart Hubs and stuff like that. Yeah, there is a, a lot of safety and security when it comes to having lights on. Uh, number one, it keeps you safe from not tripping up the stairs or making a fall, which is the biggest killer of anybody that's anything else, else that's out there by far. So it, it all kind of goes hand in hand. Not to mention, if you've got things on um, that, that are easy to time out where you just have it automatically shut off, so your Christmas tree shuts off in this season. Uh, you know, you, you've, got, you've got some safety measures built in that give you kind of a peace of mind and so maybe you're not home, you're on vacation, but you can have things set up where it really just gives you peace of mind or sense of security, uh, efficiency, absolutely. So all this stuff, it's kind of opening up Pandora's box for us to talk about all these different things that are out there. And, and we rely on, to get back to one of your earlier points, we rely on the you know, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to be able to 
you know, access and use these systems. Now I can tell you, it's just like when the computer started coming out and drove you crazy with why things weren't working and, you know, the internet lag and all that kind of great stuff. We're going to have those hiccups. There's no doubt about it, but this is the, this is the way the future is going. So you need to kind of make sure you're using the right stuff, making sure that you're making, being real with yourself and realizing the more things that you're bringing into your home, there's more opportunities for people to kind of, maybe spy on you. So we're talking about cameras on uh, your phones and all that kind of good stuff. There are some security concerns, but I think that the negative side is outweighed by the, the safety and security that all this stuff gives you. Um, and I think it's just, it, it's going to be a way of life um, and it's going to impact the way we use energy. It's going to impact the way that we, you know, spend money in our homes to, to make things more convenient and useful. Um, and all that at the end of the day provides that security and efficiency that that we kind of, it, they're after effects. And so it's kind of a nice thing that if we do this stuff the right way, it really is, it really is a, a great system that works together. Um, so I'd like to get into some to of the specifics of, of that. Like, <clears throat> for example, one of the things that the ESFI does is have safety uh, across different industries and on different topics. So like for right now, you know, I have your website pulled up. Uh, so those watching the video can see if you're listening uh, to this podcast or, or rebroadcast, you know, you can go to ESFI.org and look at this. But you've got, you've got a great breakdown of resources and information on the website from home safety to workplace, disaster safety, as we're talking about, kid safety, which is a big one. I want to get into that. And then, of course, the different programs and initiatives you guys have and, and resources. Now, home electrical safety a lot of people are home around the holidays. They're spending more and more time there. Uh, we're not always at home, which is where some of this technology we're just talking about can help because we can help keep an eye on the home and that sort of thing. But simply understanding some basics about electricity and how it works uh, can go a long way. Like you said, you know, a lot of homes were, are older that people may be living in. They don't have enough electrical outlets or maybe they don't have properly grounded outlets. So they got the old two prong instead of the three prong. So people are, you know, I've seen crazy things when I've gone to customer sites, whether it's in homes or in businesses where they bend the, the ground plug off or they cut it off. And I'm like, what are you doing? You can't do this. Ah, it's been working like that for six months or a year. And I'm like, okay, that may be true, but it's not right. You know, and I always try to correct those sort of those sort of issues, uh, the overloads are biggie. And uh, one of the things that I, you know, without getting too technical for people, but you need to understand the rating of the devices and what you're plugging them into, like surge protectors or battery backups. And regarding the electronics, for example, with an electrical overload, it's very simple to prevent that from happening. So. If you have, for example, uh, an extension cord that's a low, thin gauge wire that might be rated for, let's say, 325 watts, and you're running that across your room or from one place to another, um, that means that that cord can only safely support up to that rated number. In this case, like I said, 325 watts. So if you're, now here's where it kind of gets a little funny, right? Now you, you bought a surge protector and you put your surge protector into that electrical cord. Well, the surge protector is rated for 750 watts. So you're thinking, great, I can, I can plug it up to 750 watts worth of stuff here. And people aren't even looking at the rating of the items, right? But you can't because the cord that that, that, that uh, power strip is plugged into is only rated for less than half of that. 
So it's simple to, to understand when people are educated on very basic, you know, how-tos about electricity, and they can basically calculate it with simple math, the safe rating of various devices, you know, because people's heads start to spin when they, you start talking about volts and amps and, and watts, and I don't understand this, I'm not an electrician. You don't have to be, but it's simple, and I'm not going to get into this because I'm sure you probably have resources on your website as well, and uh, when we post this out, maybe we'll put some links to things, some calculators, but like laptop power supplies, you're plugging it into an old home, you know, the output is listed at so many volts and so many amps, you have to multiply those two things together to get the watts. So if you got a 19 volt power supply and it's rated for like 4.74 amps, you, you multiply them together, that's 90 watts. Now you know you got a device that's gonna pull 90 watts and you just do that simple calculation if it's not already on the device and add it up and say, hey, is what I'm plugging in exceeding the rating of my power strip or the cord I'm plugging it into? And if it is, unplug something. Plug it in somewhere else. Yep. And, and typically what happens is you start to have higher up the higher up the electrical chain, you have a breaker that's tripping and so it becomes a nuisance. And that's usually when people start to say, oh, you know what, maybe <laughs> maybe I'm using too much energy or maybe I need you know, to think about this in a, in, a, in a much larger, in a much larger way in terms of your whole electrical system. And that's usually the, the, the trigger that makes people update their electrical system when they're, when something goes wrong um, or they, they need to have additional power. And so I think we're going to, we're going to come to a, uh, you know, a time and this happened just to kind of provide some perspective. Um, you know, my grandfather said, he lived in rural Pennsylvania, and he basically said, you know, the only reason I updated from fuses to breaker boxes because, you know, your, your mom and all, all of her sisters kept, you know, tripping everything when they plugged in the hairdryer, and I just, I got tired <laughs> of going to the basement. So, you know, this kind of puts it in perspective where it's like, you know, you really need to kind of think of this. And I realize it's not the sexiest thing in the world, and all of us take it for granted. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, if you want it to work the way it should safely, um, you need to kind of do a little bit of research and making sure you're not putting yourself, you know, yourself in, in a dangerous situation. And I think I mean, you talked about trees being a, a, a cause of fires, obviously this type of year. What are some other common causes of, of fires in the home in this case that people should be aware of? Well, I, I always say it's, it's the big, it's the big energy need devices. So one of the things that, that we see pop up this time of year is, is space heaters. Um, we have, uh, if, if you think about it, most of the homes in the South were not necessarily geared to or designed in a way where they can support loads at that level with other things plugged into that same outlet. And so you have people that are using space heaters around uh, combustibles or just not thinking about it. And maybe those, those space heaters have never caused a problem for 15 years, but it just takes one time with a, an animal knocking something over you, tripping over it or something getting in the way where it starts a fire. And that's usually pretty catastrophic because it's it's it, it's an issue that most people just don't think about, um, or they're falling asleep with a space heater. That's another big issue that we see a lot of times. Um, and so it's one of those things where you know I think that people just need to respect electricity a little bit more. It's it's electricity the way I like to to kind of categorize it. It's it's something you can't see, can't smell, can't taste, but it'll damn sure kill you if you do something wrong. And <laughs> yeah, I can tell you sure. that. The devices, the devices that are in your home, 99.99% of the time, the device is absolutely safe. The wire behind your wall is safe. Everything is safe, like, like 
physically, so the mechanicals are all safe. The problem is, is when you add the human nature to things and you have folks doing, doing things themselves and jerry-rigging things and, you know, becoming their own instant electrician or overloading circuits, that's when things are, you know, they're used out of the scope of what they were designed to, to use for. And so um, it just takes a little bit of time to understand kind of what your needs are, what the system's capable of, and then you've got to figure it out from there what, what needs to happen. Um, and I realize, you know, we, we always say, you know, the, you really only have one chance to, to have an, uh, an electrical system put in, and that's when the home is new. Well, homes are lasting for 75 to 100 years, and, and even then they're just being remodeled, and people don't want to spend, you know, the unfortunately five to $7,500 it takes to redo a home's electrical system. They'd rather spend that on granite countertops. I get right, it. yeah, Something's not thinking clean. that what's, what's the better use of those funds it's like, well, the electricity's working, but I want, you know, my home to look nicer for people coming over. It's, yeah, it's, it's a problem. Like you said, it's not, it's not the sexiest topic, but yet it's one that can make the difference between life and death, literally, in a lot of cases, you know, whether it's, it's electrocution or a fire being caused by an overloaded circuit. You have something, uh, and I have it pulled up on the website here, uh, under the home safety, don't overload your home. You've got this, uh, this great infographic here that, talks about overloaded circuit warning signs. So, you know, this is a great resource for people to know, hey, how do I even know if I'm overloading the circuit of my home? Well, go to esfi.org's site and, and take a look at some of this information. And if you are experiencing some of these warning signs, uh, you better start unplugging some things and get an electrician in there to take a look and say, hey, yeah, you're overloading the circuit. And, you know, what happens if that circuit breaker doesn't trip? Now things start to melt and fry, and now fires can spark. So it's a, it's a very, very important topic. You know, people now, Christmas lights on their home, right? Everybody, you know, trying to outdo the neighbors, you know, the old uh, the Griswolds, right? <laughs> you're, uh, you're putting all these lights outside. You're overloading your circuits. The electric companies love people this time of year because your meter starts spinning off the, off the, uh, the gauge, right? <laughs> but, um, but that can be causing all kinds of overloads, and, uh, and it's 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 easily preventable when you have more awareness about it. And I think, you know, Brett, that's kind of what you're, you're, you're saying is, you know, we need some education. We need more awareness of what can happen and what's causing these problems. So what would be the best yep. way to prevent those, those electrical fires is, is just that the education and the, you know, not doing things like, you know, running extensions cords all over, staple them to the wall and plugging in 15 things. Yeah. So, I mean, just some basic things that I always like to tell people it's, you know, extension cords are meant for temporary use. That's what they're designed for. Right. Life is going to, life is going to kind of take over where you have furniture pinching up against a wall. Um, you know, things are going to fail when they're not protected by a wall. And so you have grandpa's old lamp that might be sitting out and that cord set might've been beat up or twisted and bitten by an animal or whatever the, whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. And those kind of things just exacerbate problems. And so when you start to run extension cords around because you only have one outlet, two outlets in a room, you put them under your bed to charge your cell phone at night so you have something on beside your bed. Um, it, it just, it's kind of human nature to kind of, you know, put things in a place where you need them. But you got to realize that if something fails in that system and you don't have certain protections, you just can't take it for granted. So, so when it comes to extension cords, they're only meant for 30 days worth of use temporary use. And so if you don't have enough outlets in a room, that should tell you that your system is probably not going to meet your needs. 
Now, the good thing is, is that, you know, the electrical industry isn't stupid to this and realize that there's a lot of older homes out there that, that, you know, people are looking to modernize and, you know, meet today's needs from the average consumer. And so there's technology that's coming online that even if you don't have a new house or even if you're not gutting a kitchen to do a remodel, a major remodel, there are things that you can do. Things like, um, and this is at the breaker panel, um, arc fault circuit interrupters. Um, they're kind of uh, the GFCI, the, the ground fault circuit interrupters in your, in your kitchen, in your bathrooms, wherever there's water. This is kind of the, nec the next technology that came out about 15, 15 years ago or so, and it's in the new code for new homes, but you can actually swap some of your breakers out, and what this does is it protects you and grandpa's lamp that's sitting there with the back cord, and what it will do is it'll detect any time that there's an arc within a within the wire behind the wall or grandpa's cord on that lamp. Um, that if there's an arc, it'll shut down power. Oh, so wow. it basically it foolproofs things to a point where you can actually you know keep it simple, stupid. Um, what my grandfather always said is, you know, if you can design it out and have some technology in there that's going to keep you safe, you should probably look to do that. So there's. I can't tell everybody that's listening to this to say this is what you should do to stay safe. But what I can do is say, tell you that there are things that you can do and people that you can call, like an electrician, that will come in and give you an honest assessment of kind of where you're at, what the things you might want to do, and maybe you can work out a game plan where over the next five years you work on this, this, and this. Um, and that provides a peace of mind. It also provides uh, efficiency and all these, you know, security and all this other stuff. And you can figure out maybe a plan of, of attack on, on how you can make your home safer because, you know, the system probably hasn't been updated since the home was built. Um, so when should you have your home inspected? Because I'm sure, you know, people are saying, okay, so what, you know, what is a, is a, a reason why or is there some sort of guideline where, you know, you guys say, yeah, it, it, you should have somebody come out who's a, a licensed electrician to inspect your system, even if you're not having a problem, you know, every so often, I mean, what, when should somebody call a professional if they're not having a problem? Typically the system is going to tell you if something's wrong. So a breaker is going to trip. It's going to tell you that there's something wrong or you're using too much power or something like that. We don't necessarily say, you know, there, there's a certain, like, you know, there's not every 10 years you need to have your system inspected. It's more of, you know, what are you doing now that has been different over the last 10 years that are going to increase your power demands? Or what are things that are going on, you know, like the infographic that you had up before? Do you have discolored outlet, outlets where you take a step back and you kind of say, wow, that, that, that doesn't look white anymore. It kind of looks like it's a little bit, I don't know, brown. <laughs> um, those are telltale signs of, of things that are just not working correctly. Um, and, you're, you know, typically you're not going to see a spark. Um, you, you might have something when you turn on a, a, a you know, a, a switch or something where you'll have a little bit of an arc. Those are kind of telltale signs that maybe things aren't necessarily right. Maybe the device has failed. Maybe somebody's done something you didn't know about. Those kind of things. But the system typically tells you. So when people look back after there's a home fire, unfortunately, they'll come back and they'll say, yeah, something was acting funny. The lights were flickering. And yeah, I noticed that outlet was, you know, kind of discolored or, and, and it, 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 there's always that story, like, this is where it started. Well, that doesn't surprise me because I remember seeing stuff. I just never did anything about it. So just be proactive. I mean, look at, look at, look don't at the Don't ignore something. Time. If you don't know what it is, call somebody. Exactly. Because that's, it's, it's your life. You know, something happens in the middle of the night while you're sleeping, you know, your carbon monoxide detector is not going to go off. Maybe your fire, you know, alarm, you know, will. 
but it's uh, it's scary. And nobody wants to have to deal with that, you know, with, with the loss of a home or a loss of, of life or somebody being, being seriously injured. Cause you know, you're, it is a, you know, it's, it's an electrical system that is like any other system. It can't be abused or it's going to fail and give you problems. You know, same thing with the plumbing in your home, same thing with anything that, that is in a home or in an office. Uh, so let's talk about, let's kind of shift gears to the workplace and, uh, and how, what, what are some of the ways that uh, we're seeing problems that are electricity related in the workplace that are causing workplace injuries and fatalities? So oddly enough, when it comes to electricity in the workplace, um, the same thing is kind of, if you're talking about an office environment, the same things apply as if it were in your home. One of the biggest issues they have is people bring in space heaters and plug in, plugging them in at work. So if you're in an office environment, you've got something that's not prepared for something like that big energy use of a, of a space heater and get yourself in trouble. Um, when you're talking about, you know, outside work, um, overhead power lines are one of the things that, that most people just assume they're so far up or they can't identify them. They call them telephone, they call them telephone poles or whatever you want to call them. Um, overhead power lines are by far one of the biggest killers outside of um, the home and the office. And that's usually where a lot of people just don't think um, that something can hurt them. And so uh, when it comes to workplace safety, uh, you'll have a down line or you'll have something that you don't know what it is. It's not going to sit there like a snake and tell you it's dangerous. You're going to come up on it and not realize what it is. It'll be sitting there coiled on the ground likely. And it's not going to be sparking. It's not going to be doing anything you know, suspicious. But you need to stay away from that and call 911 and make sure that somebody comes out and looks at it. Um, and I can tell you, most folks in the fire department know better than to go anywhere near electricity when something's outside like that. Um, One of the things that I, to, I learned years ago is that if you ever, like, say you're trapped somewhere or maybe you're in your car and, you know, uh, there's an electrical, you know, there's a storm and, you know, power lines fall or you're in your home and there's exposed wiring and you kind of have to get out of the out of the home or get out of the workplace or the office or wherever you happen to be, you know, never basically use the front of your hands to push or touch anything because electricity causes your muscles to contract and you'll just latch onto it that much stronger that you should always use the back of your hand. If you're suspicious of anything that might have electrical power in it. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I can tell you that it was, it was common practice back in the fifties and some of the codes that you actually licked your fingers and, that's how you tested for, for current. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. <laughs> well, we, we've, we've come a long way, but it, you know, the 50s are not that long ago, or that's what we were doing. Um, I would say in general, if you have energy, any energy sources that you think might be a problem, you've got to call an expert and you've got to stay away from it. I would say that you know the best place to start is something with a build, like your, your, your building engineer or your, your, I don't know what you call them, your, we, we call it our building engineer here. Um, where you call them and say, hey, look, here's a potential issue that, that we have that, that we're looking at. But I can tell you that when you start talking about larger, um, larger loads or larger energy um, systems, you, you can quickly get yourself into trouble in terms of opening cabinets that you shouldn't be opening. Um, those signs and those placards are not there for no reason. Um, there is no bell that's going to go off. You're literally going to touch it. And you're probably just going to get yourself severely hurt or killed. Um, so don't go, 
don't go near electricity if you don't have to. There's all kinds of safety precautions that people are trained um, on how to work with electricity or something does go wrong, um, they're protected. You as a layperson should not be messing with electricity at all. And I would say, say that your building manager is probably not qualified to do half the stuff that they do when it comes to electricity. Um, I would also throw out there that, you know, when, when it starts to, when you start to say, um, uh, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to string this extension cord somewhere. So I have power, or I'm going to use a generator, um, because I need power in this location. Or even if I'm going to climb up on a ladder and change a light bulb, those are all things that are electric, electric, electrically based where you need to kind of just take a step back, think about it. If you're on top of a ladder changing on a light bulb, are you going to get shocked by something? I mean, you just got to think, are you qualified to do the job? Um, if you're not, get somebody that is. And then don't overestimate your ability and don't under, under, underestimate the danger of electricity when it comes to things you, you're touching. Um, well, you even have on your website, I mean, roughly 2,000 people a year are killed in the workplace by electricity. So it says over the last 10 years, over, you know, more than 20,000 workers have been injured you know, in electricity, electrical related incidents. And that's a lot because, you know, these people have families, you know, they have, you know, they want to go home at the end of their shift and, and, and not have to worry about something that uh, can hurt or, or seriously hurt or kill them. Yet it happens all the time. And so, I mean, on the job safety is, is huge. So what would be some of the best ways, I mean, apart from what you're, you're, you're already talking about, I mean, is pretty much education or just make sure that you're qualified and if not, get somebody who's qualified to deal with whatever needs to be dealt with. Like, for example, in a place where there's a sign that says, hey, <laughs> qualified personnel only, everybody else, <laughs> stay the heck away, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if you don't know, ignorance isn't an excuse. Um, when you're messing with electricity, it'll kill you. So, you, you, you know, you can't just say, I didn't know. There is no, there's no do-overs. Um, and it's not, and I'm not trying to be, you know, crass or, or funny, but it really comes down to that where, you know, you, you don't know the danger that you're, that you're maybe putting yourself in. And so many times when, when they, they have just regular general building inspections, they have, you know, they have these marked off areas and they have people that have ladders inside fenced off areas, or they have, you know, the, the mop bucket inside areas that you don't know what room or you're going into where there could be some energy in those areas that, you know, you don't have any clue what, what danger you're putting yourself in um, and or potentially causing a bigger problem for somebody else that is coming in to service the equipment or something like that. So one of the cool things you have on the website is this electrical safety self-assessment area. So um, there are these electrical safety awareness videos and, you know, how do you know, uh, you know, introduces the problem of electrical injuries and fatalities and, uh, what is, you know, what does electrical safety mean? And you've got some different perspectives on it from managers and supervisors and employees about uh, different things. So, I mean, this is a neat tool here that you're providing to people that they can go and, and take. So tell us a little bit more about this, this self-assessment tool here on the website. So what it, what it is, is we work with the people that put out the best codes and standards that are out there. Um, we hope people that fo we hope people that fo follow those codes and standards to the T. Um, but there are some things and gaps that we identified that will kind of give you an idea of of how you're rating against folks similar to yourself. So you're you're safety minded. You're listening to this 
so there's broadcast and and what we're trying to do is tell people here are some things that you might not be thinking about so not to get too deep into things but you know how often are you servicing your personal protective equipment your ppe um do you have a you know the right cleaning the, the right cleaning uh system set up for that um are you using the right tools for the job and do you inspect those tools all the time um, are you using, if you're working with electricity, are you using testers and are you testing those testers every time before and after? It sounds kind of monotonous, but those are the things that will keep you alive. And if you look at the, what we call the hierarchy of controls, um, there's a lot of built-in safety to a lot of the different systems that we work with. But anytime something, a deadly injury happens, it's because literally everything in that hierarchy of control, those eight steps or so, just were not followed. And that's what will get yourself hurt and or killed. Um, so just we, we want to we look at safety through a couple different lenses because we realize as a, at a worker, it really is about going home at the end of the shift, right? Sure. Um, but from a manager's point of view, it's to make sure that your business is running correctly. So what would, what would happen if something happened to one of your folks? God forbid you got to deal with that as a manager, let alone what happens um, on the flip side of the business if you, you have downtime. And so we wanted to look at it through a couple different um, perspectives or lenses, if you will, um, where people just kind of thought it, thought it through from different perspectives and realized that safety, you know, it, it's not what it used to be. Um, and there's a lot of different, you know, things in a system that keep people safe. And how do these people communicate, number one? How do they think where, you know, how, how do they think about certain processes? And do they, do they, you know, maybe not take things as serious as they should? Um, and are they thinking, you know, bigger picture about what the effect would be if you had a loss of life, God forbid, um, or, you know, if you had downtime and, it, you know, it's just a trickle down effect of the what if question. Um, and it's something that's why that, it's so you know, important to have those procedures. You got to have those procedures and policies and checklists in place. And like you said, they can be monotonous sometimes, but they're there for a reason. They're there to drill into people. What is the proper way to approach a problem? What is the right way to deal with their job on a day-to-day -day basis? And then, you know, what are the periodic sort of checks that are done to ensure that the environment is safe and that the workers are safe? Because, you know, we want to keep people safe. You know, you, you, there are a lot of jobs out there that are high risk that, you know, like construction, or if you're dealing directly in the electrical trade, right? Uh, as an electrician or someone who's dealing with it all the time. Uh, but even a homeowner, uh, like you said, you know, the, the kind of do it yourself or someone that thinks, yeah, okay, I can replace that outlet. Uh, I can replace that light. I mean, I do, you know, my own little things here and there, but of course it all starts with making sure that you're, you're turning off the right breaker, making sure the line is actually not live. And then you better know what you're doing. And if you don't, well, you have no business touching it, you call a professional and you have them come in and, you know, what's, what's, what is the alternative, you know, save a couple of bucks or save your life, <laughs> right? I mean, it should be a no-brainer, you know, question and answer. Many times we see people that, and I get it, you know, it's the male bravado, I think, where you, you know, you make a mistake and you want to fix the mistake. And so, you know, it could be something that where, you know, you, you cause a down power line and you, and you, or you raise your bed of your truck and you put it into a power line. Well, the worst thing you can do is try to fix that problem and jump out of a truck if you're in an energized truck. And so it, this goes to the homeowner side too, where it's, it's don't be a hero. Don't go above your comfort level and your, your competency level of what you're doing. 
um, because you don't, it might not be something that causes a problem now, but it could be something that affects your grandkid in the, in the house later on. And so it's just something that, you know, we want, to, we want people to know as much as they, they want to know and what they're comfortable with, but then also to realize that there's a things, that, things that are above your knowledge level and you need to call them professionals. Um, it might not be the cheapest thing in the world, but at least you know it's done correctly. You know it's done to the latest codes and standards. And if you have an expert come in, a lot of times those folks will tell you, hey, look, this is what I would do. Um, you, you've got this much money to deal with. This is, this is what I would do. Maybe make a plan. Um, because they're not easy fixes and we realize that people don't have, you know, a couple thousand dollars at a whim to kind of make things safe. But when you bring in an expert, a lot of times they're going to give you their honest assessment of what the situation is, give you, give you the safest options that are out there and tell you what the best process to go through. And that, that's going to keep you, you and your family safe in the long run. And that, that goes for the workplace too. Don't go above, you know, your, your, your skill set. Right. No, definitely in anything, right? Electrical or otherwise. So yep. one of the things I, I want to touch on that we're, that we're flying through our time here, <laughs> which is good, uh, but also, you know, I want to make sure we hit on some things. The, um, one of the things I thought was interesting that, uh, that I was reading about when uh, I was preparing for our interview today is you had uh, some information about what people should keep in mind when they're actually purchasing electrical goods, which I think is, is a, a good thing to talk about now with the holidays. Uh, but really, any time of year, if you're if you're buying something electrical, what can you what can you tell people to, what they should be keeping in mind when they're buying uh, some sort of electronic item? Well, I think the the main thing is to make sure that you know what they're buying, they they have you know the right energy energy needs uh, the, to meet their needs of whatever the product is. And so, you know, there's a lot of times where people are going out and purchasing big electronics over over the holidays. I get it, big TVs and computers and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I would say one of the things that people kind of take for granted is, uh, you know, they, they get a new, they get a new computer or a new TV and they plug it into that same old power strip. Right. And that power strip, there really is no way to tell if that thing is, you know, past its useful life or whatever. But if you just went out and spend a thousand, two thousand dollars in the latest, greatest electronic that you want to have around for hopefully five to 10 years, um, you better be replacing those, 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 um, point of, point of use search protection devices. And if yeah, you, you want spend to think a thousand dollars on a TV and you won't spend an extra 25 bucks on a good search protector. It's, it, it's that number one, but number two, um, you know, since technology has changed and we're learning more and more and more about energy and search protection in general, one of the things that is now part of the new national electrical code that's coming out for new homes is a requirement where they have whole home search protection. You might've heard that, you know, in, in your, in your past where, you assume that that's keeping you safe from lightning strikes and stuff like that. It does help you with some of that. But the major reason that it's required in new homes is because we have so many sensitive electronics, your, your refrigerator, your stove, your computers, your TVs, all that stuff that's plugged into your electrical system. Every time you, know, you see a dimming of the lights when your HVAC system kicks on, your heat, your AC, your, your um, refrigerator kicks on, that, that dimming of the lights is a surge. And those surges, about 80% of them occur in your home on an, on an 80% of those surges are happening within your home, just for things turning on and turning off in a system. And what a whole home surge protection does is it kind of minimizes the effect on electronics in your home. So as we're talking about making homes smarter and bringing in these new electronics and stuff like that, it really is important that you're thinking holistically about the electrical system and what, you know, things degrade over time. And so the more surges they have, the more problems that you're going to have. And so 
again, here's an example of there's new technology that's out there. It, it might meet some of the needs and that you, you might have. And so it, it's not a bad thing to go and ask questions or have an electrician come in and give an assessment of what a, what a home should need and, you know, to, to meet your needs and to meet the safety requirements that are, that are out there. So again, I just encourage people to think about electricity a little more, you know, closely, um, figure out what their needs are. And if, if they need to bring in a professional, they'll give you a lot of times they'll give you a free assessment of, of what's, you know, what they would do if they were you and, and what they can potentially do to meet your needs and, and provide a safer home. So um, the whole you know, home, the, uh, the whole home devices, uh, do they act kind of like the ability of an uninterruptible power supply, UPS, to basically deliver pure sine wave power and iron out the little brownouts and surges and spikes so that there's cleaner, consistent electricity being delivered to the device, which obviously in turn makes less of a strain on those devices because things are going to fail when there are surges or when we get a little bit of a drop in the uh, the power levels and then it spikes back up. And so those little surges, I mean, be, being in you know the information technology industry, I do all that I can when somebody's buying, like, for example, a new computer or a new server, especially, hey, you got to put this thing on a battery backup. You've got to make sure that you're protecting this, that this can help deliver the purest power possible, this is a little tongue twister, right? Purest power possible to your devices because it's going to, number one, it's going to protect them, right? But number two, it's also going to extend their life because if they're not being susceptible to surges and spikes, which happen just throughout the normal cost of electricity being delivered to the home or office, uh, it's something that can really help over the long term with everything that we're, we're really talking about here, right? Yeah, so it, it, it doesn't, I mean, it basically just provides the protection of, you know, it's basically like a surge protector for your, your computer. It basically just does it for your whole home. It just keeps the whole, the whole system um, in check where you're not going to have, you know, degrading power surges that are going to affect all the different electronics. And I, you know, I, I haven't, I've seen this in my own home and I don't have any necessary data to back this up, but the more and more smart things we bring in, you know, you see somebody with a computer in their fridge that tells them, you know, different things, the weather and you name it. Right. Um, it you know, these are sex sensitive electronics. And if, if you're just plugging into a regular outlet, what, you know, what kind of protection is there for those devices? So you're plugging in an Amazon Alexa, you just drop $200 on it. There's nothing really protecting that device like you would have uh, for your computer. And so it's just, it's kind of a, an all encompassing way to think about search protection. But then I think a lot of people are surprised and shocked that we're not just talking about lightning strikes. We're talking about intern, like 80% of the time, it's, it's coming from inside your house, from your, from your, your big uh, energy need devices, like a refrigerator kicking on, like, an, like your air conditioning or heater kicking on. It's those kind of things that they're stuff. Exactly. And so you can imagine, and I've seen this in my own home where I've lost um, some smart switches and we just actually installed a whole home search protection in my house. And I'm hoping that'll lead to, you know, prolonging the life of a lot of these sensitive electronics. I mean, you think about washers and dryers, everything that's plugged in that uses energy, all those things are susceptible to surges. And we're now just, as an industry, I think, starting to, to tell people these are things you're going you're gonna to want to do. And it's required of the new, the new code. So, but that, that same protection is still afforded to folks with existing homes because we know most people don't live in a new fancy home that was just built. We get it. Right. Um, so well, like you said, and a lot of these, 
a lot of these devices now are smart. You know, we have the Internet of Things devices, whether it's a smart doorbell or a smart fridge. And the more sensitive electronics that are in a device, the more important it is for you to protect that. And again, it goes back to like the smart, the, the, the new television we just talked about, right? I mean, people pay a lot of money for a new television, but then they don't think about how do they protect that device from electronic problems. And, you know, they don't want to spend another 50 or $75 maybe on a battery backup or some sort of surge protection that is going to help protect that device. Because the last thing we want is to have a whole bunch of devices in your home from a smart TV to a smart refrigerator to a smart whatever, and then have some electrical issue happen, whether it's, you know, coming from within the home or, you know, from outside, whether it's a car hitting a pole or just an issue with, with the power that then damages or blows out all of these devices. Now you got a major claim on your insurance. Um, you better have proof that you had that device in your home. You better have proof of what it cost you. And you better hope that you've got the right insurance that's going to cover it without having, you know, some crazy high deductible. You got a $5,000 deductible and you just blew out $4,000 worth of devices. Well, oh, well, you're out four grand. So you also, I think, as part of this, and, you know, I would think this is probably something that you guys even talk about too, is making sure that you are properly insured against anything that could potentially go wrong in the realm of, of you know, damage through electricity or fire or things like that, right? Uh, absolutely. And that, that's something that obviously it's the same thing. You want to talk to the experts so talk to your insurance folks and just tell them, Hey, this, these are what my concerns are. I mean, a lot of people get caught off guard by if a flood comes from inside your house versus outside your house and if you're covered or not. I mean, a lot of people learn that lesson the hard way, you know what right. I mean? It's sub bumps and all that kind of stuff. And, and I don't need to get on that, that angle, but it's again, talk to the people. I mean, people are good at their jobs. Let them do their job and let them tell you what you need and tell them what your concerns are. And I bet you'll come up with a, a a like-minded solution that works for everybody. One of the cool things here, uh, as, as we're getting close to the end here, I want to just talk real quick. You have this, uh, this whole section on the site related to kid safety and obviously, you know, educating the kids starting from a, a, you know, an age where they're old enough to understand electricity and what it is and, you know, how great it is, but also how dangerous it can be, I think is super important. And, uh, you know, and I mean, you start right out here on the website talking about curiosity, right? Kids are curious. So you see the, you know, jokes about, you know, a kid sticking something in an electrical outlet. Well, it's no joke if that's your kid and they get electrocuted, right? So they yeah. have to understand. I mean, I know when all my kids were young, we went and bought all of those plastic covers and put them in every single outlet that wasn't being used. And I tried to secure everything electronic that could be within their reach uh, to prevent any sort of issue. So obviously there's a, there's a huge commitment by you guys on education for both homeowners as, as well as, you know, business, uh, businesses and, uh, and children. So um, tell us a little bit about this, uh, this kids uh, safety corner. Yeah. So it, it's a, obviously a free resource. And we encourage everybody to kind of educate their community, um, especially when it comes to kids, because again, they don't know what they don't know. Um, and it's up to us to kind of provide some, some easy to learning tools and coloring books and that kind of stuff. So there's, there's some interactive games that we have on the site um, there's some videos that you can watch. There's, there's a lot of different things that we offer and we actually have got a, uh, a federal grant to do some of this work because it was something that was, you know, not out there to the masses. And so we, we get this out through their fire departments and different things like that. And then we start to tie it together with, 
you know, how does it work with smoke alarms? Um, how does it work with, um, you know, cooking safety and that kind of stuff? And so we start to intertwine that together where people can better understand and kids can better understand to kind of say, mom, you shouldn't do that. Um, mm-hmm. That's what we want to kind of empower the kids to do. It's like, you know, we learn from the bottom up. Unfortunately, we get old and stubborn in our ways. Um, and the kids often come and educate the adults. And I can say that with a, a six and a nine year old, they're often educating me on the latest and greatest technology and wanna, how, how dumb I am to do something. So <laughs> it, it's one of those things where sometimes, you know, the education can come from the bottom up as well. Um, so we think it's a great opportunity to get out there and talk to the kids, make sure that they kind of have lifelong lessons in terms of water and electricity don't meet, uh, that, that don't mix, um, making sure that they understand some of the dangers that are out there and making sure that you know, they're not sticking things in outlets because they saw something on YouTube and those kind of things. Um, and so it's just an education uh, for youth that we think is very important and we encourage people to use it. And one of the things you mentioned before is, you know, a relatively new parent myself, uh, you know, we're talking about putting in plastic caps and outlets. They actually require now, there's specific um, outlets that you that are required in new homes. They're called tamper-resistant receptacles. That basically they're shutters built into the receptacle that stop seven kids a day in the nation from going to the hospitals from severe burns or even electrocution. Wow. And so again, it's a great, it's a great example of how, you know, we we're monitoring what's going on in the world and we're, we're providing solutions. And now these things are required in new homes. They've been required in hospitals and child care facilities uh, for the last 15 years, but that's like, that's, that's kind of trickling down now into the homes where, you know, for the last 10 years, they've been required in homes and, it's keeping people safe. Again, it's keep it simple, stupid, try to design um, the devices to kind of <laughs> uh, outthink the human, if you will, and uh, keep them safe. And so we're doing our part as an industry, um, but it does take some responsibility uh, for when this, these devices are in the marketplace for 40, 50 years, things do fail um, and people do do things that are not the safest in the world. So we're just out there trying to educate folks on what they should and shouldn't do. Well, you're doing a heck of a job, Brent. We really appreciate the work that you and the Electrical Safety Foundation International is doing. Um, You guys are based out of Virginia. Obviously, our listeners can go to your website to learn more, which is uh, www.es is in Sierra, F is in Foxtrot, I is in Igloo, or in this case, E is in Electrical, S is in Safety, F is in Foundation, I is in International.org. So uh, nice and short. It's easy for people to remember. Uh, I'm sure social media wise, uh, I noticed that most of your social media addresses are either ESFI or ESFI and then dot dot org. Uh, correct. Yep. Yep. And there's, it's, it's easy to find us. We pretty much pop up on all the, um, organic sites. If you just type in electrical safety, we'll be one of the first ones that you'll see. Um, one of the easiest things to do is follow us on Facebook and it's, it's more to keep you safe. So it, it, it's something where we eat, we put out things. So in the workplace or at home, and anytime we have something new, it'll kind of tickle you to kind of tell you, Hey, look, this is what we're talking about today. And if it interests you, great. We have more information behind the scenes. If not, it just kind of keeps it um, in the back of your mind to kind of, you know, just respect electricity. And, and I'm assuming most of the folks on, that are listening to this broadcast are, are probably some of the, the community leaders that we have are out there are, are thinking bigger picture and looking to influence other people. So, I encourage other people to, to share this stuff with your community, your church groups, and all those kind of folks to make sure that they're safe. And if there's anything that you're, we're missing on our website and that you're looking for, please let us know because that's the best feedback we can get. Awesome. That's, that's great. We appreciate it. We appreciate you coming on today and, uh, you know, bringing some 
much needed awareness to a topic that most people take for granted with how much we are dependent on technology and with the increase in the number of devices that are going into homes and businesses, the devices that are part of the internet of things, which continues to grow. You know, these things are all susceptible to problems with electricity. We have to make sure that they are installed correctly and protected correctly because at the end of the day, if they're not and they cause problems, that's going to cause problems for the people that are living in the homes with them or people that are, you know, working in the workplace with them. So uh, again, I, I appreciate you coming on, Brent. Any last thoughts for our audience before I let you go? Just in terms of the season, uh, when you're going to bed or when you're leaving the house, turn off your decorations. Um, obviously blow out the candles and stuff, but even the electrical stuff you want to turn off. There's no reason to take a risk. Um, your earlier comment about the Griswolds, I mean, it, it's funny, but it also is dangerous at the same time. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, use common sense. Um, you know, if you don't need the energy, turn it off. It'll save you some money and keep you safer in the long run. Um, and if you, if you do have a live tree, which I know a lot of folks still love that tradition, make sure it's watered. That, that, that is the worst thing you can do this time of year is not to make sure that thing is watered. Cause I can tell you with a lot of in-person tree burns we've done, it's, it's amazing how fast those things uh, can start fire. And they drink uh, and a lot here. of water. The bigger the tree, the more water they need <laughs> every day. Check Absolutely. Them. So, so it's not, it's not a bad message for this time of season, but I just want to make sure that, you know, people enjoy the holidays and don't have something they have to worry about afterwards with, with, you know, a small home fire, hopefully, or nothing like that. So, just be wise. Um, one of the other things I want to tell folks is, you know, the Christmas season and stuff like that uh, and gift givings, uh, make sure you're purchasing from reputable retailers. Um, we have noticed things that have been coming on the market with, you know, counterfeit electrical chargers for phones or batteries that are questionable. Um, there are some things in the marketplace where the best adage is, or the best mantra is, if, it, if the deal is too good to be true, it probably is. Um, and oftentimes it's safety, which was left out of that equation to make things cheaper, to make you want to buy them. So um, it's just be wise. Think about where you're buying from. Make sure you can return it if something goes wrong. Um, but if you're buying online, not everything is guaranteed. Um, and that's not just to protect your pocketbook, but that's also to protect you um, and your family uh, when it comes to electrical devices and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and there's, so just, you know, you can't put a price on safety, right? I mean, it's, you, you have to stay safe. So, well, thanks so much, uh, Brent, for being on Safety Talk. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, you can always get more information and in past episodes at our website, uh, as well as the latest safety news at safetytalkpodcast.com. Find us on all your major podcast networks, and you can see videos of these interviews at safetytalkvideos.com. So until next time, thanks again, Brent. Everybody, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.